last week looking at 2 Corinthians, and we'll be in this series for several weeks, looking at what does Paul say, how that church is to respond and to live, but also looking at the pattern of his life, and then we're coupling that with uh, John Wesley, our founder. What do we see in his life? What do we see in his ways that remind us of what Paul calls us to and models for us in 2 Corinthians? Last week we said to follow Christ is to live a separated life and a serious life. And I, I would push, uh, say to you again, I would love to talk with you about that. Steve would love to talk with you. That Corey, our whole staff, Ben, that's one of our favorite things to do is to grab coffee or to share life over a meal or to meet at the church office. If you're wondering and praying about what's your next step in pursuing the holiness of God or your next step in discipleship, we would love to talk with you about that. A separate life and a serious, a growing, a next step life. Well, today, as we look at Paul's word here in verses 8 through 10, and we'll also jump around to other verses, so please keep your Bible open or your phone open as we go through this, we see also that this call upon our lives to follow Christ is also a risking life. You can't miss that with Paul. It's everywhere. You see it here, this reminder in verse 10, that my hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's why later in chapter 3, verse 12, he can say, we are bold in our speech. We don't hold anything back to you or to anyone because our hope is found in Christ Jesus. And also in verse 10, I'm trusting as he has done over and over again that Christ our God will be my deliverer. But something's happened. Bible scholars are divided over what's happened, but in verse 8 through 9, something, something went down in Asia. Something, maybe it has to do with the Ephesus church, maybe so. Uh, some think that, that maybe there was a mob involved. Maybe it's a health issue, but something, there was a real scare, a real risk to the point of death. And that's on the very first, first chapter of this letter. And so you're going to see that reminder throughout this letter that Paul has, has been and is consistently walking through risk. Let me point out two more uh, times that he specifically mentions that if you want to turn over to chapter 6 verse 4. And he just names thing after thing. Afflictions, hardships, difficulties, beatings, imprisonments, mob attacks, labors, sleeplessness, hunger, how can you go through all of that? How can you put yourself in the middle of that over and over again? How do you respond? Well, what we've been saying in these, I've been doing a YouTube devotional series every day on our YouTube channel to just talk about not just 1 Corinthians, but also to share some things from Wesley's journal. What, what do you see in his life? Those are, those are uh, uploaded at 5 a.m. every day, so you can just watch them whenever you want to watch them. But what we said last week in one of our devotionals, you just see it throughout 1 Corinthians. God will gift us his grace, his power, and his very spirit. How do you respond to all these things? Look at the next verse. I can do that because I am in the Holy Spirit. I am in genuine love. That's how we get through. And there's this other listing. If you want to turn over to chapter 11, 23 through 27, I won't read all of this, but imprisonments, beaten times without number, danger of death, five times, 39 lashes, three times with rods, adrift at sea, dangers from rivers, robbers, countrymen, Gentiles, 
dangers from the wilderness, sea, false brothers. I've been in labor, in hardship, sleepless nights, hungry, often without food, in cold and exposure. You read a laundry list like that, and every guy in the church is wanting to shout freedom from Braveheart when you see that kind of suffering. All of this, it's without, he can't even count how many times he's put his life in harm's way for the gospel of Christ. To follow Christ is a risking life. We saw that this week at our kids' ministry event, our splash event for our risking, our rising fourth through sixth grade children. At the end of the event, it was a phenomenal thing. Renee and Francesca put on a great event at the Anglin's house. It was awesome. But then at the end, one of the girls said to another friend very, very loudly, I have just had the best day. I love torturing boys. So apparently it's risky to be a part of our kids' ministry. To be a believer means that we risk. We don't run into harm's way. Matter of fact, the early church had problems with that. That they had to say to each other, you don't just run or race to your martyrdom. As, as Paul said to the first letter in Corinthians, this body's a temple, as he says here, your treasures and earthen vessels in this letter. You don't just go throw your lives away, but to be in Christ is to be a risk taker for the kingdom. And it's not just physical risk. That's, that's these two chapters, if you're following along in your notes. There's physical risk, but there's also spiritual risk. I won't read you all the verses here, but basically Paul's reminding us of the spiritual warfare that we experience, that the devil is a schemer, that he's working in this world, that he blinds people's minds, and we battle not with fleshly weapons. I'll let you go back and read those verses. But he reminds us again, and he pulls no punches on this, to be a believer means you are placed in the middle of a spiritual battle. Physical risk, spiritual risk, but it's also emotional risk. I don't know if it's too late to go back and sue uh, the writer of the song Sticks and Stones, but it's a lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will not. Are you out of your mind? As hard as it is to go through a physical risk, yes. The pain of emotional risk, the pain of being burned, the pain of being rejected, and that's Paul's life over and over again. You see it in verse 11, uh, chapter 11, 28 says, there are external, external things, these physical yet risks, yes, they are not his only danger. He says, I've, I've got this burden. I've got this deep concern, this weight that I have for these churches. And that's throughout this letter. You see this hurt that he has, this pressure that he has. If you, remind, if you remember the letter that he wrote between 1 Corinthians and this letter, it's basically tear-covered. It's a tear-stained letter for the, for the love that he has for them, but also the hurt and sorrow that he has. Matter of fact, if you look for the word sorrow in the New Testament, you'll find it one time in three of the 27 letters. One time in three of the 27 letters, except for this book. The other 11 times that word sorrow is used, it's in this book. Over and over again, I am broken for you, or places where they are broken and sorrowful. This is a very emotional, a very personal book, and to, and to 
live well, to follow Christ means we put that on the table. It's a risk. Emotional risk is tough. It's hard enough chasing after kids, their schedules, right? But the weight of that, that you have maybe for your own kids or for our church kids, as you see them struggling, but we risk that because to follow Christ, it's a risking life. Paul knew that well. And he says in chapter 12, verse 15, I will be spent, I will spend, and I will be spent for your souls. I will spend and be spent for the souls of the church. Hard to do in, a, in the middle of a pandemic. The temptation comes. I'm just going to circle the wagons. I'm going to take care of me, my immediate group of friends or family, and that's it. Lord, you're not putting another person, another neighbor, another coworker, another extended family member on my plate. I can barely hold it together. And that's why we have to be about church and why we have to be about our devotional lives, why we have to be about worship and our prayer life, because it's in those things, those means of grace, those disciplines that he gives to us as we see throughout this letter, his grace, his power, and his spirit, because we have to. We can't stop risking. As hard as it is and as painful as it might be, we've got to say, Lord, who are you going to put in my life? And I know I may get burned, and this is a tough season to get burned. But who do you have for me? Who's next? It's not just emotional risk, but this, this is just as hard, I think, too. It's relational risk. And you see that. Paul talks about his love for the church here in chapter 12, 15 in your notes. And he, and, and he says that there, but he says it throughout this letter, that he's jealous for them. You'll find him saying that. This is a church that Paul founded. And to risk saying a word of correction. I'd Go back and read 1 Corinthians 6. Who says that to anybody? You almost read that letter and blush. But he looks them right in the eye. These people that he founded that, I don't want them to reject me. I'm a part of this church. And he says what he needs to say about the misuse of the gift of sexuality. He says what he needs to say about their order of worship. Gets in the middle of all that church stuff and says that. And risks rejection by these people that he helped to found. And it's not just that letter. Then you get this tear-stained letter where he's saying a word of correction. Then you've got this kind of worry. We'll talk later about him kind of saying, well, I wanted to come again, but I was so nervous. I'm going to wait on Titus' word. Risk. And it's a risk of relationships. I think I've told you before, but um, my conversion was a night-day conversion right before high school. And it was like day one after coming to Christ, I could just begin to count some of the friendships. It was like after this night-day conversion in my life, there, there was almost immediate rejection. Well, that's who you are now? If you won't do this, you won't talk like this, then you're done. That's the risk of following Christ. It's a risking life. That people might say to you, I'm done with you. I shared this with our pastor's Bible study a year or two ago, but my father-in-law, Joe Martin, during his freshman year in high school, pretty much had detention every day. 
of the entire year. Okay? And so at the end of the year, because he played sports, he, ha- he owed them like 19 days. There were 19 days he had to leave early for games. And so he came back on the last day of school. He went to the ninth grade principal and said, I'm going to the high school next year, but I still, you, I still owe you 19 days of detention. Do you want me to come back in the fall and to make those up? That, that principal looked Joe Martin in the eye and said, Joseph, we never want to see you again. Somebody ever said that to you? That you followed what Peter describes as he talks about this hope that that Paul's talking about in verses 8 through 10. I'm banking on that hope, but I've also got to give an answer for that hope that's within me, and I'm going to do it with gentleness and reverence, but I'm going to step up and risk rejection. Anybody walked on you? Walked away from you? It's a real risk. To follow Christ is a risking life. And we see it all the time in John Wesley's life. Just for a few minutes, I'll share a lot more specific examples this week in our YouTube uh, devotionals. But we even find early on when he goes to do his, his ministry in Georgia, um, he's walking through the swamps and it's, it's basically freezing outside. Somehow he's able to get through the water, this freezing cold water, chest high. And he says when he woke up the next day, he was actually frozen to the ground. It doesn't say if someone was with him or not, if he just had to wait to thaw there. I don't know. But from early on in his ministry, one of the things he understood was to follow Christ means I put even my physical life at risk. The mobs were constant. Some of this was political because the church was connected to the state. I know that. But a journal account after journal account, mayors and magistrates prevented him from preaching in towns. Sometimes people would throw dirt on him, water on him, rotten eggs on him, don't get any ideas. There's one account of somebody not only bringing a club and a cleaver to his preaching, but the, cha- the, the, the crowd began to chant for his head, and he kept on preaching. One particular mob, they got everybody together and got them, how can I say this? They gave them a ton of adult beverages and more adult beverages and said, go get him. The problem is they gave him too much adult beverages and they were confused and went to the wrong house and missed Wesley and didn't get to, to, to do what they wanted to do. Another time he said people, there was a person in the crowd with a sword and a halberd. That came at him. I don't even know what a halberd is, but I don't want it attacking me. And then at Newcastle, and this may be the worst, he said, even, I'm going to use a southern word, even the children cussed me. <laughs> so, even at Newcastle, even when I went to the town and preached, they even had the little kids come out and cuss me. He, had, he was from, uh, spent a lot of time in Epworth, and you know that story. At five years old, he was a brand plucked from the fire. There was a fire at his childhood home, and he, he had a miraculous uh, way of getting out of that and gave glory to God for that. We'll talk more about that. But what they don't tell you is it was probably a church member who started that fire. They didn't like his dad for what he was calling them to do and the life he was calling them to repent of. And they certainly, when Wesley went back to that church, his a home church, he went back and they said, you're not allowed inside. So he went out and preached on the grave of his father uh, to the people. It's risk. When he went to a town called Bandon, 
not only did they threaten to tear down the, the people who were with them, to tear down their houses and destroy their goods. Uh, and by the way, not only did they do that, but they did that. They basically tore a guy's house apart to put what you own at risk for the kingdom. It was physical risk. It was spiritual risk. I'll share more of those stories this week. I did that a few weeks ago when we talked about prayer. It was emotional risk uh, for, for Wesley. You read his journals and it was just continuous sorrow. But again, that hurt of relational risk. There's some beautiful stories of reconciliation that happened in Wesley's life. But there's a lot of time where, where people just walked. Where he'd write in his journal, I preached at this church and I know they're never going to ask me back. I think I've preached there for the last time. But I want to share two stories, two particular stories, uh, just at the way he put his life at risk as a reminder to us to live this life that we see Paul so beautifully live, that ultimately is found not just in hope in Christ, but this is the model of Christ, who routinely stepped into crowds, even in his hometown, who were, who were looking to kill him. But just this risk that uh, John Wesley had, two, two different uh, particular issues. He was pre preaching at a place called Long Lane early on in his ministry. And he said the people got enraged and then they got noisy. They started pushing those early Methodists around and eventually began to beat them and to assault them. And they started to break down this house. Not only did they start pulling down the house, but then they, it wasn't just rocks. They were throwing large stones through every window pane that they could find. So Wesley's retreated to this house. Now put, put this in your mind. I've retreated to this house, and they're throwing rocks in every window. What do you do? What do you do? Richard Smith apparently was the leader of the mob. And so he said, I'm going in. And I'm going to go get Wesley. And they just start chanting. Wesley wrote, they just started chanting, Richard Smith, Richard Smith, over and over again as he walked into that house. And as he was in the house with John Wesley, they just kept chanting outside, Richard Smith, just waiting for him to come out with a bloody and broken John Wesley holding him by his neck. And he never came out to say a word to that crowd. And here's what, here's what, Wesley wrote about that and why that happened. He said, Richard Smith answered not. He was fallen into the hands of one higher than they. God had struck him to the heart. And also a woman who was speaking words not fit to be repeated and throwing whatever came to hand, God overtook her and she fell, at her knee, fell on her knees before us. As Paul says in our verse today, our God is our hope and our God is our deliverer. One other story from Bolton in Wesley's journal. Again, he was, he got, he was in a house that was surrounded. They came and um, somebody tried to get out of the house to reason with them. And he said within two minutes he came back in the house and he was so beaten they couldn't even recognize him. Eventually, not only surround the house and start throwing rocks in the house, but finally the mob just all comes in. So they retreat to the upstairs, and there's a mob downstairs. The whole, now put that in your mind. You're upstairs, you're looking down the stairwell, and the whole downstairs of a house is full of people that want your head. What do you do? Wesley walked down the stairs, looked the crowd in the eye and said, get me a chair. And they pulled out a chair, and he got on the chair. 
And here's, here's what he says in his journal. He says, my heart was filled with love, my eyes with tears, and my mouth with arguments. He looked him in the eye and told him the gospel. He shared the gospel to a, to a mob that had broken in. And he says in his journal that they melted and devoured every word. God is our hope and deliverer. We shared last week about Elizabeth Elliot's life and a book about her life and Jim Elliot's life, who was one of those who were killed by an unreached tribe group in Ecuador. What I didn't tell you about that story is not only did they know, yes, that those people in that unreached tribe were violent. They knew that they did vengeance killings. They knew all about that. But when they went, because they were invited, they'd been flying over and dropping gifts and receiving gifts. When they were invited to go, they still said, we'll go. But they knew in studying the people and talking to one or two people from that tribe, it was, and this is the word, this is the term for it, it was killing season. Within that tribe, this is the season. If you have a beef, you take, your, you take your weapon with you always, and when you see somebody, you kill them. They knew that those people would be ready, locked and loaded for action. Somebody invites, I go. Somebody invites, I go. This past year, our church has begun to support the O'Donnells who are ministering in Central Asia in a place that's Muslim-controlled, where they're at risk, and we have to be careful to talk about their ministry. And just this last week, she led a woman who's dying of cancer to Christ and got to celebrate that with her. Risk. Somebody finds out that was her who led that woman to Christ, there's going to be trouble. You, pay, you pray for Kate O'Donnell. You pray for David O'Donnell. In the middle of a place where there could be a mob at any minute and somebody's dying, i got to tell them about Jesus there is risk. And you see that here in Wesley's life, in Paul's life, in missionaries' life. We risk. And very quickly, why do we risk? And you know this. Going to verse 6, 2 or 13, 5, you risk because to follow Christ and following along in your notes, it's not just a risking life, it's a reaching life. We risk because today's the day of salvation. We risk because, Paul says in 13.5, test yourselves to see that you're in the faith. He's consumed with people knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so he'll do anything, whatever it takes, to make sure he's clear about the gospel. It's a real challenge for us. We risk and we reach. And there's a cost there's a risk to that reach. But isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you really want for your best friend? Isn't that what you really want for your coworker or your neighbor or your kids or your grandkids? And I know when we, I mean, we do it gently and reverently, we do it with wisdom and with care. But what we want is we just want to see people know the Lord. So we take that risk. But you watch Paul's life and Wesley's life over and over again. There's these reminders. The heart of it is we, we do it because we want people to know Jesus. How do you do that? We actually did a sermon series back in 2019, How to Become a Contagious Christian. I'd encourage you to go back there, and we'll talk about ways to, how is it you share your faith verbally? What are the ways you can be creative and, 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 and bring up conversations where people might be able to respond to the gospel? I want to point you back there. 
But what we see in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, what we see in Wesley, to follow Christ is to risk. To follow Christ is to reach. Let's pray about that. Father, I know that there are many in this room who have risked for you, and there's been a price. There's been a price in friendships or a price in business, a price in social circles, maybe even within families. I thank you, Father, for those who are stepping out in faith to, to, to not only make a stand for Christ, but simply the deep desire is just to, to point to Christ. Father, we pray for those divine appointments that you will gift to us this week and the weeks to come where we will, we will be able to, with great care and gentleness, lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Father, by your Spirit, and because our hope is in you, because you are a great deliverer, bless us as we risk so that we might reach others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.